Welcome to this Happy Times and Places Omnibus. It's a Doctor Who commentary podcast in which a friend of mine has chosen a story and their five favourite things about it. And I have to watch along, make some comments, and guess what those favourite things are. Well, hello, folks. Um, I ha- I've had a schedule for this all planned, uh, and I've completely broken with protocol. Um, it wasn't long enough, long ago you had Dragonfire, and I have to eke the McCoys out because there aren't so many, and actually they were snapped up fairly quickly in terms of people wanting to do them. However, um, circumstance has forced me, I think, for reasons you will understand, to release this one uh, ahead of when I'd originally planned. So let's first meet our special guest for this particular adventure. Hello, Toby. And hello, faithful viewers and listeners of Toby's Happy Times and Places. It's an utter, utter pleasure to be a guest on here. Um, I am Anthony Townsend, and um, what do I do? I do all sorts of things. I do a bit of acting. I do a bit of voice work. I do a bit of singing sometimes, some hosting, interviewing, uh, amongst other things. Uh, So I can be found here and there doing this and that, mostly. And today I'm here about something that's definitely feels like a happy time and place for me, Time of the Rani. Now, Anthony recorded this some time ago because when I started this podcast, I got in touch with loads of people um, and some were quicker than others in getting back to me. And Anthony was one of the first. But as I say, I've sort of spaced out adventures based on, you know, getting a variety of stuff out there. Um, And uh, since uh, Anthony recorded that, um, Anthony has been in hospital and has had quite a serious diagnosis and if you don't know Anthony and I don't know Anthony that well in fact I don't know a lot of people who I I call friends of mine who do this podcast I've never really been an active part of fandom except for you know when I started doing the shows and things like that and I met all these people whose names I'd read Anthony wrote for various magazines and stuff so I was aware of Anthony um, who I think bought me a gin and tonic after a show it might have been my first experience of them but I'm not sure um and and that was before I've, I think I realised and put two and two together and went, oh, it's that, Anthony. Um, uh, but Anthony has had a, a very serious diagnosis and as well as doing all the Doctor Who stuff, they have committed their working life to the charitable sector and have had various ups and downs, um, uh, but has always been a, a jolly and cheerful and upbeat example to everybody. But uh, uh, actually needs a, well... And has not requested this, but a group of a group of sort of friends uh, have sort of got together and set up a, a GoFundMe page because um, uh, I don't think anybody had quite seen uh, what was what was going to happen, and that, that Anthony would need um, some help because, um, as I say, a very serious uh, health diagnosis that is that is ongoing, and we yeah. Um, so I brought it forward in the schedule one to celebrate Anthony so that's as maudlin as I'm going to get because Anthony is good fun uh, and lots of positive energy and uh, well I mean you've got to have a sense of humour to choose time and the Rani that's the other thing so yes 
on with the motley and there's a lot of motley in this because i have a confession to make before we start oh and i've just taken the cellophane off my season 24 box set so i've only recently released Dragonfire, but that i had to watch on dvd because i, I was doing it before the release so this is the first time i have seen any mccoy on blu-ray however if you had asked me in a private moment, because I try and be positive and I uh, spread the love about Doctor Who, but we all have our likes and our loathings, to choose my least favourite Doctor Who story of all time. It's this one. So, with due deference to Anthony, who I like very much, and who I'm sending lots of love and best wishes, I'm also cursing Anthony for choosing... To well, but I think this might be a lesson to me, because... Anthony is somebody who has an infectious sense of joie de vivre and fun. And I think I see a lot of commentary on Doctor Who uh, on Twitter and social media being so earnest and uh, and sometimes very finger-waggy that it sort of sucks the joy out of the show. Uh, and actually, Doctor Who is nothing without its joy. So uh, I, I might have had some sort of Damascene conversion by the end of this. Let's see. Uh and I have, this is probably the story I have seen the least recently. Even when it came out on DVD, I didn't watch it. I remember, I think I did a couple of episodes with commentary and I just, life got in the way. So I have not seen this. This and Paradise Towers for different reasons, but I'll go into that when I do Paradise Towers, which at the time I adored and yet still haven't watched for quite a long time. My, yeah interesting this because i remember this coming out and anyway let's talk about it when it's on so with much love to anthony who has a gofundme page that i will be plugging on every episode and i make no apologies for that and you know if anybody everybody just gives a, a little amount that can accumulate into a, a large amount that will be very useful to somebody who's very poorly and uh, could just do with a bit of a lift uh, and who is given to the doctor who world and it would be nice if the doctor who world could give back so with without further ado let me in uh let me uh embark on what currently stands as my least favorite doctor who story and see how i cope it's time of the rani i'm gonna press play now this was um i mean magical this was the height of special effects uh at the time i remember thinking this was amazing and my school friends even grudgingly sort of uh, acknowledged that this was that without you know it's a pretty good opening and i like i do like the sky of lacertia i uh, and, and the lacertian makeup uh this was this was all pretty good so far so good um quite an exciting opening doctor and aquarius don't mind that um bonnie langford poor bonnie langford we'll talk about i'm sure um i, I mean knowing anthony this that might be that might be their favourite choice. Uh, that is quite that is quite a thing, isn't it? Leave the girl, it's my own. And uh, optical illusions, when this happened, it looked to me like Colin Baker's face. Uh, I, I thought he'd have got his chin and everything. Now, I see it's, you know, we know it's Sylvester McCoy in a wig, but I thought they'd done more than just done a video effect. I thought they'd kind of they'd constructed a false Colin Baker. That's because, you know, you watch it. I mean, I didn't. I watched it over and over again. This is the first episode... I videotaped live off air with a Yashima E180. Videotapes were expensive. I got Yashimas uh, from because a friend had a cash and carry ticket. He said, oh, they do videotapes, they're dead cheap. But it's because Yashima videos were really bad. Um, 
so actually i i had them on on you know off-air quality which in the days of pirate videos uh was was wow i've got off-air video but uh not very good quality and i had the dilemma of going um so i did i put this and delta on no i think did i put this and dragonfire and paradise and delta so i'd at least have some in chronological order but it hurt that it went four four three three because you could only get seven on a tape i wish they'd gone four three four three which they later did i like to think in in, in a in a boon for the um home recording market einstein there was a rumor for ages uh, in the pre-internet days uh, that that patrick trout was einstein because patrick trout was quite small um uh actually um i say in the pre-internet age you get stupid rumors like that they still got the thing about tony robinson being the caveman in adventure in space and time because he sounds a bit like him uh so the internet's even worse for it um so has, has the ronnie got a nose piercing uh I, 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 I of course we know it's einstein they don't because they're uh green anus uh, uh, I, I thought San looked a bit like my brother's girlfriend at the time, who was very Stavelfin, pretty, pretty person. Uh, yes. Uh, am I saying I fancy San? Oh, am I saying I fancy San? And I quite fancied my brother's girlfriend. I don't know. Uh, let's let's move on to different thought. Um, Kate O'Mara gives gives it all she's got, doesn't she? But it's um, I, I I had no idea at the time it was so of its time, but. Um, because I was quite impressed because Kate Mara had been in Dynasty uh, and somebody doing something in America and being in Doctor Who because now I'm British actors cross over to the States all the time but there tend to be the British actors in the States then moved to the States and worked in the States like the mighty David Warner and Simon McCorkindale and people like that. Um, I always quite like it when they do do bit of the doctor who theme in the music kef mcculloch's music gets a lot of stick but there's a there's a there's a moment in the score of this episode that i think is absolutely magnificent uh and as i say i might i might be clutching for for straw i mean that that kate omara looks like she's been made out of distillation of 80s juice uh uh no this is the this is sylvester mccoy's debut scene uh he looks does he look good in colin baker's costume i don't know um points who who am i who am i and who are you i hate the way he does that i'm so sorry um in fact i hate that as well this is why i didn't i'm so i've got to be positive but as doctor's debuts go that uh, i don't think is great um I, and I think it's 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 because Doctor Who's now getting to the point where it's you know th three cameras on a on a studio set with a glammed up uh, dominatrix actress in uh, with big hair uh, and it's just so I think I think where and I I can understand why people like it when it gets a bit campy and vampy and I'm I'm all for that. Um, I, I said, no, but you see, but he looks so like Doctor Who, and I think he's he's great, um, and I think he's brilliant casting. Uh, I just I think that opening where he does the the sort of comical look and double take and the terrible tumble that you can't edit 
with with multi-camera you know you wouldn't do it like that nowadays is 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 set my teeth on edge when i was a youngster and i had to go into school you know and just oh god and patty caldwell i bet the open air uh is on this where she where she and i was worried about doctor who because the whole world seemed against it and i wanted it to be uh i wanted it to be gritty and violent i wanted it to be like resurrection of the daleks and earth shock which actually were the stories that 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 led to the led to the cancellation of doctor who of course uh and 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 actually have their own problems i love this piece of music in fact i think this sequence is great because you've got the urex feet i i think it's quite fun with the eyes you you don't see the tet trap and that's a cracking piece of music although that's the third time sylvester mccoy has fallen over he looks he moves as a, like an iridian uh, that uh, you know the iridians in the chase those guys who sort of crouch move when he's standing outside the tardis there he looks like an iridian you heard it here first the lacertians lacertia is the twin planet of iridius um i i really like the long hair they've 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 tried to do something genuinely alien i think with the the design of the lacertians and i know they're you know it's people with green makeup and stuff stuck on and they've got a hat to cover their hair and all that sort of thing but i i think the lacertian design is 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 good um and i'm sorry in accentuating but i had to i had to give you my baseline of where i was and 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 what uh what it was i had against this story uh and i think because the mccoy era you know see even even the people who made it andrew cartmel and actually the camera lens on that is great um i like the, yeah i like what that that shot does with the with the quarry stuff behind she called san uh, it's named after the planet of planet of fire um uh but i think it's important for me to establish why i say we're talking about what what was my least favorite doctor who story um i think nick Pegg knew karen clegg as san um and this was state of the art uh, and this this these bubble traps are a great effect and it's really nifty how it bounces off the rocks and they have the explosion because oh dear uh, she doesn't she doesn't bounce off but the bubble traps are great so there's lots in this that's good um a mark greenstreet i worked with mark greenstreet was going to be a star he was in a thing called brat farrar where he played twins one of whom was good and one of whom was bad and uh, i think it had uh, it had frederick treves in it too uh and prunella scales maybe um no hannah gordon they i know they got credited above him and i thought it was unfair of him because on him because he was the star but they were it's when you get senior performers got higher billing in those days which i like um and of course doctor Who magazine when it announced the cast of this it, it, it talked of veteran actor uh donald pickering who had been in the palaces which was clearly john nathan turner's favorite program because i never heard of it i don't think my mum remembered it but but uh uh yeah and this is a good attempt to have a needle going in but it's clearly going back into the gun and not into the arm um uh but yeah mark greenstreet and, and he was in a th and he was he was a bit of a heartthrob and he was then he was in trainer which was gonna be uh which was about horse racing it was done by some of the team behind some good tv dramas like howard's way and, and uh, popular tv dramas like howard's way and good tv dramas like secret army and cold it's sort was across all of those um and trainer was a failure and uh, it seemed to sink dear old mark i worked with him on a production of the taming of the shrew 
a few years later when he was still he was still enough of a name uh to 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 be you know to be a reason to be to be going there and, ha- and he had one of the lead uh the lead parts um but then he went into directing um uh, he directed a couple of films but uh yeah he was a handsome boy and he was a decent actor um i hope he's happy uh he did he i did talk to him about doctor but um the one thing he told me i don't think reflects well on anybody so i'm not gonna repeat it it's not scandalous it's just i think it's just of its time um uh now of course how can you not love as a 47 year old man who doesn't need to care anymore because this is ancient and has no impact on doctor who or its reputation Kate O'Mara doing an impression of Body Langford, which I mean, if I think if you're trying to salvage the reputation of a show that uh, you know was famous for sending people behind the sofa and was was getting accusations of being pantomimic, I don't think getting Kate O'Mara to do an impression of Bonnie Langford is a good idea. However, divorced of that context. I think it's adorable. I think I think Kate O'Mara actually, yes, she is very eighties and she's got the boots and the big hair and she's giving a certain kind of performance. But she's one of those absolutely solid pros, as in professionals, uh, who could turn her hand to whatever she's asked to do. And yeah, she's the sort of glamour puss, space dominatrix. I mean, bless her, even at the fiftieth anniversary where i interviewed her on stage where she was a bit deaf and she'd had a stroke she was still dressed as a space lesbian which i loved her for um uh gl- you know glamorous to the end bless her um uh but but what a she's brilliant as bonnie langford uh, and i think this is really funny <laughs> um and actually because sylvester mccoy i still think is finding his voice and his and the, his level of performance and is prone to doing sort of daft things that kind of fits because she's got that kind of oh christ thing going on which 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 sort of works because it helps ease him in and and sort of temper some of his excesses uh, uh, uh and it's a nice contrast and it's the character of the rani you know being tired of the doctor it works it works on every level uh, apart from at the time when it terrified me and I thought it was the end of Doctor Who. <laughs> um, uh, this, uh, this is this is done in post post production of the the sound there, but that's because they're quite far away. But it makes for a good shot, doesn't it? Um, uh, poor and poor Bonnie Bonnie Langford. I mean, um. You know, her being in Doctor Who was another sign that, oh, it's the end and this is terrible. And she got so much stick. And you, we only discovered later that she was actually quite unhappy and quite at sea uh, doing this. And yet she's proved what a national treasure she is. Terrific actress in EastEnders. She's absolutely delightful person. Um, uh, and weren't we all wrong and mean? And, I, it's, and it's only as I've sort of got older um, and because now one's mean thoughts uh, you know people people put them on the internet and you see them directed at people rather unfairly and, and unfortunately now what happens is that you know if if you think somebody's spelt the end of doctor who you can tell them directly and it's not very nice 
um i mean i don't i try and be you know i'm I, I try and be nice on on the internet but people you know people do and people don't realize a lot of the time that you know what they're doing the person receiving it is a human being who's not living in an ivory tower and sitting on a wadge of cash and has an easy life they're somebody that's prone to all sorts of uh insecurities and you know uh, uh and, and 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 feels the criticism very very harshly um no we didn't do that but i certainly felt very cross uh the idea of bonnie langford doctor who largely based on her her reputation as uh violet elizabeth bot in um uh in in wurzel gummidge and i remember uh God, a Sunday paper had the headline Virgin Bonnie vows never to strip and she was sort of rather sort of paraded about the press as this sort of oddball goody two-shoes who oh she can sing and she can dance so uh, you know god we hate her because uh, this idea that you work hard and you, you you hone skills that actually a lot of people don't have is is somehow un-British and that you should just sort of turn up and phone it in uh whereas actually you know, as time has gone on, uh, the, the actors, you know, that, that, that prosper these days are, uh, you know, you have to work very hard, keep yourself fit. Um, the more skills that you have, the better. And the idea that it was just all a sort of bit of a lark, um, a natural talent shone through, um, uh, 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 meant that, that anybody who so obviously, um, you know, took it very seriously and put in a lot of hard work was somehow deemed worthy of cocking a snook too what a bizarre attitude we have and i and i think yes her performance is again slightly of of the time and 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 slightly sort of theatrical compared to what you get on television now uh but actually with 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 time being what it is uh, loads of performances in doctor who are more theatrical than we would do now because it's three wall television with a multi-camera and i and i don't think that Bonnie Langford is is st sticks out especially um, some of her some of her moves occasionally, but uh, uh, I, I think I think she's fine actually, um, and she's actually very good at some of it, um, and 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 she has a gusto and she's you know she's always she's always on it, um, and uh, I'm glad that I'm no longer that angry young man this is my favorite bad thing of doctor who which is a concrete tunnel that obviously looks like a concrete tunnel and they've gone we need to make this tunnel look like it's from space how do we make it look like it's from space put some do you know the bit where the two concrete bits stick together and there's a bit of a slight gap a slight groove stick some tinsel in the groove and then it will come a space tunnel uh, okay <laughs> yeah. uh well done um uh for swinging your feet, uh, Kate O'Mara. So it's a peculiar mixture, but I have to say, uh, part of it, because I haven't seen this for ages, I, I, I could easily sort of lose myself in this and just watch it for fun. And that's surely what Doctor Who is. But then it, it comes to the thing of going, because I always mistrusted people who watch Doctor Who for fun. Isn't that awful? You know. The, but I think the people that would watch it because they enjoyed the bad bits i always thought no 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 you've got to treat it with reverence because it's doctor who it's important um uh and again i think from viewing people on twitter now who who when people do a sort of joke um and i'm not talking about a, a rude or a racist or an unpleasant joke there's lots of those on twitter but when people sort of apprentice things 
There's a, there is a distinct lack of humour from certain quarters on Twitter, and it makes you think, oh, come on, it's it's supposed to be fun. Uh, and, and you know, part of what, what, what separates Doctor Who from a, a lot of drama is its sense of humour. And oh, that's a clever, nice little touch, the liquid that changes colour. Um, and, and, and I think Doctor Who should be funny when it tries to be funny, but um, I know there are certain fans that sort of enjoy the badness of of doctor who and i i don't i i'm not sure i can ever be one of those because even though i'm i'm a comedian i don't have a sense of humor <laughs> um his face is brilliant isn't it so i haven't quite i haven't quite got to grips with you know watching doctor who and laughing at it i don't think i ever want to do that but i think i can i definitely think i've loosened up a bit um and and again you know because the because because what this is like does now not impact on the long-term future of Doctor Who. And there's no point having regrets for what happened to Doctor Who, because what happened to Doctor Who happened, and actually it's, it, it, you know, history meant that it, it had that glorious revival. So um, I spent too much of my life being cross about things and angry about things. Um, and I'm uh, And I'm trying to learn that life's, too short to be angry about things I can't do anything about uh, <laughs> and that's funny um, and I think I think the shooting of uh, the tetraps when you can't see their faces is is great and they are there is a sort of bat like thing I like the shot of the wing there look at that space tinsel <laughs> I think that's glorious um, What, I mean, what what does the tinsel do? It just it's because it's from space. Um, look, at, oh, and I I haven't uh, I haven't talked yet about because looking at poor old San's little uh, skeleton there. I like the way the Lycurgians run with their arms backwards. It's just a way of going. It's not quite. I haven't quite drafted in Rosalind to winter to do some insect movement. But it's it's a way of going. Well, for these have a slightly different uh, uh, physicality to to us. The less I like me, yeah. And and he's, I like his, yeah. I like his mournful face. He's got such a good face. He's got such a good face for Doctor Who because it is the face of a clown with a a, a, a melancholy sort of backdrop. Um, uh, he's like a sort of quizzical sad bird. <laughs> Um, he's giving it all, isn't he, old uh, Mark Grigsby? Now, some, I'm going to look out for something here because somebody put something online. There's a bit of this that is blocked out by a video effect because it's a, is it a flapping costume. Uh, um, the, 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 this is this, they're really going for the the, the humour of this, um, and I remember being quite cross about this and thinking, well, this. You know, this is this is just too silly, um, uh, uh, and they wouldn't have done it like this in the older days. And, and then I got robot on. There is a little. There's actually a black square in that, um, on on that pile of clothes. That's that's I think masking something that's flapping in a distracting way that I hadn't seen. Ah, oh, yeah, because you can see it's not there now, uh, and there's a sort of uh, a checked thing hanging down. Um, the uh, 
the various little sound effects, the broken glass and the school bell and all of that sort of thing, they are sort of going, we don't quite trust this scene to be funny, so we will augment it with funny noises, which I always think is the worst thing to do. I, I, I'm, I'm never a great fan of pinkity punkity, aren't we funny music, especially when you've got, you know, funny performers. Um, uh, but I have to say... <laughs> <laughs> Kato Mara is a flipping legend um, but I I have to say um, you know I, again I, I would have gone oh I could do with this being a bit more serious and then of course I got robot on video and went okay they did it stupidly then <laughs> so I can hardly I can hardly complain but again it was the, in the old days it was better cretin <laughs> love the way she does that um <laughs> It's a good location too. Uh, I know. I mean, I know it's the sort of Doctor Who quarry, but uh, I like the way it's shot. Um, that's a funny sort of composite, is it? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I haven't really talked about poor old Colin Baker's regeneration. He was treated very shoddily, and I liked Colin Baker. So I think again, part of my antipathy towards this was that this was what had been done as a result of uh, of. Uh, of the unfair sacking of a doctor that I liked and who I'd before this I'd met uh, and interviewed and liked so felt loyalty towards so I was going to be cross with this um, why does the doctor go but why is the Rani dressed as you Mel <laughs> uh, it's a funny old costume as well isn't it um, she's done well to keep her trousers white though uh, and that's great. I love the explosion too. Uh, and that this is a this is a splendid sequence. Uh, and the bubble traps are a brilliant idea, and I think they hold up pretty well. And yeah, the the bouncing off the rocks is a brilliant idea. Yeah. Oh no! What's going to happen? Brilliant. That's great. Um. So. Is this going to be how I learnt to stop worrying and love time and the Rani? Uh, I mean, yes, it is quite theatrical. This Jeff Powell was a hugely respected designer um, and apparently a genius who would just sort of scribble stuff on a fag packet and make magic out of nothing. But it it, it does look a bit that you know the Rani's place does look a bit uh, you know overlit BBC studio with uh, with uh, uh, yeah a sort of uh, oh, Joanna Newbury, assistant floor manager, is related to Gary Newbury. Ian, D Barry Newbury, the designer. Ian Dow, I interviewed. Oh, bless him. Um, he's no longer with us. Uh, Alec Wheel, gone. See, I think of these as modern Doctor Who people, but loads of them are dead. God, uh, Ken True, yeah, he's gone. Oh, dear. Oliver Elms. Now, a friend of mine at school knew a guy called Donovan Elms, who was Oliver Elms's son. Uh, but uh, I never managed to meet either of them. Um, and I also don't like that logo. Um, but uh, hang on, this is supposed to be the stuff I like. But again, I think I'm I'm just giving context to what my reaction to this was. Uh, and I do think that uh, logo is um, uh, 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 an absolute aberration. It, it looks like um, something's trying to be zany and modern. Um, uh, and and it really yeah. Let's not. I can't even describe how awful I think it is. 
Um, <laughs> it's this, this, uh, it's, you know, Doctor Who is is a, a, a traveller of mystery and uh, he who's who's travels through the ages. I'm supposed to be being positive, so the logo is not going to be my favourite thing. Um, but uh, there was plenty in that. As I say, I saw almost wished I'd. Uh, just been able to sit that back and watch that for fun. It's amazing how much of the the dialogue and the little bits of acting from people, uh, like the bit where uh, Mark Greenstreet sort of pulls the face when uh, Mel gets caught in the bubble trap and, and 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 tries to grab her when she leaves the the space tunnel. All of those tiny little bits because I watched these over. Yeah, I hated it so much. I watched these over and over again. I mean, every day when I got back from school because you know it was new Doctor Who and I'd videoed it, but. I was a teenager and I was cross about things. Uh, so I watched it, but was so cross about it. Uh, and I'm, I'm, and I suppose I can't regret what I did when I was young, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm teaching myself not to waste my time being furious on things I can't do anything about. And it's all part of the great world of Doctor Who. And there's so much in there to enjoy. So what's going to be my favourite thing? Well, I've also got to go. It's what Anthony's favourite thing is going to be. So I could choose the bubble traps because I think that's, they're exceptional. Uh, I think they're a really good special effect. I could choose that, dum, da, 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 dum, da, that piece of music uh, where he goes, I'll smash it to pieces, which I also think he does brilliantly. Uh, and the shot of the tetra coming in and the, um, but because it's Anthony and because it's also great, I'm going to choose Kate O'Mara is Bonnie Langford as my favourite thing for episode one. Um, so now Toby's watched episode one. And, uh, well, what can I say about episode one? There's so much to say about episode one that's so fantastic and exciting. It's got a whole fresh start. New things. New Doctor, of course. Uh, new title sequence, new music, new script editor. New, 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 new. Um, and it's got a pre-title sequence. Oh, that's exciting. I don't know if we've ever had one of those before. Uh, so that seemed very, very fun. I've been wondering beforehand how they were going to cover the fact that uh, Mr. Baker wasn't unfortunately there anymore. No, wrong way. <laughs> um, I can't get used to what this recording thing is doing. And uh, what else have I got here? Uh, yeah, embarking on a new adventure. Oh, the script is so quotable. That is very, very good of Pip and Jane they generally are for whatever reason very quotable amongst your friends if you've got friends like I've got um, and that leads me to the thing that I love the most about this episode is one particular line that does get used amongst my friends rather a lot uh, just goes to show what sort of bunch we are and it's so good we've even got there's even a badge available of it and here it is can you read that Whoop. Leave the girl, it's the man I want. Now, if that isn't top for uh, performance and for script, I don't know what is. So that is my first top thing from episode one out of so many. Oh, didn't I say? <laughs> and it is quite a moment. <laughs> Uh, right, okay, that's the negatives out of the way. I needed to say the things I didn't like in order to give you some context. But uh, Anthony, infectiously joyous person that Anthony is, uh, is, is enthusing me about time in the Rani. So it's with a hop and a skip uh, and a trip into a bubble trap that I'm going to bounce. 
spinning into episode two. That'll be next time when the Kersher will definitely be one of my and your, I hope, happy times and places. Bonnie Langford wasn't in Wurzel Gummidge, she was in Just William. I know that, you know that, everyone knows that. Why didn't I say that? My brain wasn't working properly. I'd just been watching Time and the Rani. Do me a favour, its insides were scrambled. But hopefully this will stop anyone writing in. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, or as this edition is called, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Time and the Rani. I do love... Although I don't know them hugely well. Well, I do, I suppose. But the way that we know people is not to necessarily speak with them in person. Um, although we have events and hung out and met up for a drink every now and again. Um, Anthony Townsend, uh, who's been an important part of Doctor Who fandom, but also, more importantly, has devoted their life to, you know, working in the charity sector and generally just trying to add a bit of sparkle to life has had quite a serious medical diagnosis. Uh, I'm not going to go into too... Oh, I'm not going to go into, but um, trust me. Uh, and uh, is finding themselves in a position where uh, a little bit of financial support might just help at a very, very difficult time. So there will be a GoFundMe link in the blurb for this, and I'll probably do one as a voiceover at the end as well, uh, if you can give anything. Um, because as you'll see... Uh, Anthony is a tonic and has chosen for me Time and the Rani uh, not one of Doctor Who's most popular hour and a bits and certainly not in Haydoke Towers uh, but uh, uh, having watched episode one and uh, liked lots of it but also highlighted why I was very grumpy about it and always have been uh, I'm now going to go into episode two with fresh eyes and a spring in my step and perhaps a little pirouette as well. So press play on Time and the Rani, episode two, in three, two, one. Now, I, I didn't really mention the uh, the opening titles uh, last episode. I mean, this this was, apart from the rocks, which I remember my friend Anton at school going, they, they look like bits of plastic. You know, uh, and they do look a bit like Mr. Bits of Plastic, but uh, the, the the rest of it looked, I mean, looked a million dollars at the time, and I still think looks pretty good. I suppose the bubble traps are slightly compromised by the fact that the TARDIS is in a bubble in the opening title. It's like, so b bubbles are a thing that you can do. Um, uh, now, and I seem to recall on episode four, didn't they? They used the they used the shot of the face, which isn't quite as distinct as that. I don't think I like the wink. <laughs> Either. And I was, yeah, I have to say, I'm very, the very galloping galaxies, the, the, the logo there. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I do think it's, it's Doctor Who's worst logo by a country mile. But that is where the criticism will stop. Uh, handsome Mark Greenstreet, uh, who's attacking his part as, as grumpy good guy, uh, with, uh, with a lot of verve. Um, uh, and how's Mel going to get out of this? Because we've only seen these blow up. Uh, it's going to land on some water. And oh, that's beautiful. Colour, but the colour of that water is beautiful as well. Look at that. Um, 
And I always think of sort of water in quarries or whatever as being all rather mucky. So, uh, 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 and, and obviously the, the, we, we, we come back to quarries with beautifully coloured water later in the McCoy era. I'm thinking of Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Um, but it's, it's great. It gives it a lovely alien... Oh, she's screaming away, isn't she? Um, she has to do a lot of... Sc- it's odd because by this time, the cliche of the screaming companion was very much something talked of and, and and i mean i remember my brothers and sisters saying that's a great cut of the cut of him doing that thing to the explosion lovely little cheat the the explosion of what the doctor's doing but my brothers and my brothers and my sister you know used to slag off sarah jane for being the one that screamed well well mel screams a lot and it's odd because that cliche was now part of the you know the lexicon of things that you level at doctor who so i wonder why they made mel scream at so much uh, I suppose you have to scream if you're in jeopardy. I suppose you have to. But p- people don't scream in the same way on television anymore, do they? I don't know. I don't. I might be talking out of my hat. I'm not wearing a hat because um, people have to show that they're in danger and they're in jeopardy. Um, but but do people scream? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you'd be allowed to as much these days. Uh, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to show you know peril jeopardy especially when you're acting to nothing um but she was screaming quite a lot um (laughs) Um, uh, uh, there's a a lot of his banging his nose isn't he they they they, yeah they're they're attracted to the, the screaming and the slapstick seem to be odd choices for a program that's reputation is a little bit in in the doldrums for being a bit theatrical uh yeah like this throws that boom uh but all that stuff's great so it's quite a lot of contrasts of uh uh of stuff going on i've got a feeling i think they might have shown that's a great shot i think they might have shown the tetrap's face in a trailer um which means that its final reveal is a is is a bit of a waste of time because it's already been spoiled um but i i I think he's very wise andrew morgan who's a very good director um and a very experienced director at this point and they tried to get him and they tried to get him to do time flight i know that um so they they were they've been after him for doctor who for some time um he's a nice guy andrew as well um uh, and yes, Donald Pickering, veteran actor Donald Pickering, Doc Two magazine had said, I mentioned this in episode one, but didn't complete what I was going to say, which was I had just started collecting, um, you know, bootleg Doctor Who episodes and I'd got uh, the Faceless Ones episode one and I'd loved Captain Blade and I didn't know the actor and it was Donald Pickering. Uh, but I, I don't think I'd put two and two together quite uh, when I read about it first. Um but then eventually I I did because I I remember th- I remember it going back to Doctor Who magazine and, and I think thinking odd that it had described Donald Pickering as veteran actor Donald Pickering and Dot said who played Captain Blade in the Faceless Ones and actually also uh, he's uh, Ison in uh, the Keys of Marinus so he'd done two Doctor Who's but Doctor Who magazine didn't mention mention that I remember at the time going well, they don't know what they're talking about um, being a jumped up little pipsqueak that I I was. Um, well, I, I, yeah, was I? I don't know. Um, 
I think I just wanted to... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. I still don't know what I want. I like his mane. Uh, but anyway, Donald Pickering was in the Faceless Ones as... It's a great location, this, actually. Well done uh, to... I guess that's production manager Tony Redston, maybe. Um, or whoever. Whoever. Ah, there we go. Another scream from from Bonnie Langford there. Um, so the Tetraps have got... That's a is that that's like a glitter gun, isn't it? For the spot, poor old Bonnie Langford is just oh, that's that's a really tricky thing to have to do, and I feel for her a bit. So, the, the, the Icona has sprayed the tetrap with tinsel, tinsel and glitter. Uh, it's glitter. He's 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 sprayed it with tinsel. Is what's in the space corridor. Um, Are <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Are, are, are curious ways of, well, they're ways of suggesting space and futuristics. Um, but I, yeah. <laughs> but the tetraps are interesting, aren't they? Because they're obviously sort of bat-like. They've got that nice idea of the of the sort of four eyes uh, so they can see at 360 degrees, which they then try and suggest with the, the sort of clever, you know, the mix of the camera and then the melding and the, and the picture, you know, forming on whatever they're concentrating on i like that that's an attempt to do something different i don't don't think the masks are, are, are hugely uh successful they're, they're sort of like bat dogs aren't they um but uh but it's it's an uh, it's an attempt at a, at a at a scary monster and they've got those they've got those horrible tongue things you don't have to see the monster's tongue uh, unless it's a uh, you know a, a, uh, one which has a you could see the human mouth underneath so you know it's all a good way of uh you know getting monsters on you didn't see many monsters on telly in 1987 that's a great shot that's a great uh model effect because uh, obviously that's that's built into the uh that's built into the you, you know that's a that's a trick shot because uh, that's not that's not actually there i love a model prefer a bit of a model to a bit of cgi sometimes you know um but yeah i think that i think the locations are a, are a good design because you get the total performance um and i you know i don't know if that stuff on their head is supposed to be a hat or it's their skull in which case is the headband part of their skull but i don't mind that i don't mind that you know you have that same thing with the ice warriors where you know what's the mask what's the helmet what's the what you did until they decided to just anyway um uh, uh latterly but uh, i i quite like the idea that you're not quite sure um because it does because it doesn't matter so long as it all sort of fits together as a whole um and how do we feel about the question mark jumper because his costume is actually great i love his jacket and i love the fact that his jacket is clearly full of gubbins i mean i think we know now that it's it's got sylvester mccoy's sides isn't it which is the, the small pages of script that you've got for that day um but i think his costume is brilliant but i'd lose the jumper uh and, and it's funny because some people don't like the question marks on on uh davison and baker's uh collars but i like i liked those as a kid i thought oh it's a nice little touch but um it's 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 almost like somebody went we quite like that idea so now let's go bananas with it and it's been said 
probably better than I'm going to say it now, but you know, yeah, there's nothing like uh, emphasizing how enigmatic you are um, to, to, to do the complete opposite of being, you know, you, it's, that's a contradiction in terms, you know, and, and forced eccentricity is, is self-conscious eccentricity is not eccentricity. It's being annoying. Um, uh, as any, uh, you know, grown man who says, methinks my liege uh, in a normal conversation in a pub set these days, you know, you, you're not eccentric. You're, a <laughs> well, let's, I'm not going to cast dispersions, but yes. Uh, Wonder Ventham. Cumberbatch Mater, um, who, yes, who was in The Faceless Ones with Donald Pickering and, in fact, was great friends with Donald Pickering. And, in fact, I think Donald Pickering is the godfather of Benedict Cumberbatch, who is Wanda Ventham's son. Uh, and I was at university with Benedict Cumberbatch. He was he was a little below me, but we hung around in the same circles. Um, well, what happened was I was, I, was, I, I was mates with some people in the year, a couple of years below me. And we all did plays together. And then, but when I f finished, Benedict Cumberbatch came up uh, under them. And when I finished the sort of parts in the plays that I used to play, uh, he he played. So he was my sort of replacement. Um, uh, I've I've never got to, I've never got to be sub for Cumberbatch. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the roles were never reversed. I just wasn't. On, I've never never even been on the same team. But uh, he was a he was a fine actor, you know. He was an excellent actor, th even then. Um, and he actually befriended me on Facebook when uh, uh, he was he was on it, um, which I thought was very nice because we didn't know each other particularly well. We we sort of knew who each other were. Um, real tears from Wonder Ventham. See, he's of good stock. Uh, I, you don't see real tears in classic Who very often, uh, and that's there's a real there's a real dignity and the proper acting that uh, Wanda Ventham does there um, and yeah Wanda Ventham and Donald Pickering were mates um, so it's quite nice that they're in the faceless ones and in this uh, we've never we, Wanda Ventham is on the image of the Fendal DVD which was one I know they struggled to get people for for the commentary of the documentary and yet she's not on the DVD for this I wonder I haven't watched the special features I don't know if they managed to get her for did they do any extra documentaries for this? Um, but we couldn't get her for the faceless ones, which is odd because she's always somebody that uh, I know has cooperated and uh, uh, and happily given interviews for uh, magazines and stuff. So, um, and she was she was also friends with my friend Del Del Henny, who was uh, she was in a thing. Well, there was a time when she was in a thing with him called Fallen Hero. But there was a time when Wanda Ventham was, you know, the TV leading lady, the Lotus Eaters. Um, uh, she's got she's an absolutely beautiful woman with st stunning eyes and she's a she's a good actress and she was she was in so much she was the, she, the the gold robber she was in all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff and deservedly so um so that annoyed me when i think her and her and benedict cumberbatch's dad timothy carlton um were were in an episode of sherlock and one of the papers went uh Benedict Cumberbatch's parents are in it, but you know they are—they are actors. They've got equity cards and everything. It's like it's Wonder Ventham. Oh come on! I, yeah, I can understand the person on the street now, maybe not knowing one, but somebody who writes about television for a living, having to sort of apologetically go, "It's Benedict Cumberbatch's mom." Um, ah, the Rani has just then been hoist by her own petard 
because uh, that was her disguised as Mel, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, uh, the disguise was too good, uh, which is quite a funny switcheroo. Um, the, the music's gone into this is a comedy scene mode again. But this is... Um, it's yeah that's I mean this this is all stuff that you would you could sort of get away with if it was done on stage um it's it's but it is a bit it is it it's a bit sort of tv yeah it's it's choreographed for a one take you know it's it's nowadays what you do is if you had a scene where they had to sort of tumble with each other that's quite funny they were just to take a wig off um you know you do that in separate shots and stuff like that um whereas that all had to be done to be captured in you know in one sequence and a multi-camera so we, we've got to acknowledge that um and i think richard gauntlet as urak does a good does a good performance um because it's quite a hard it's quite a hard job and due to an interview with him we discovered who one of the other people up for uh, the doctor was because he was in a play with Hugh Futcher, who is another sort of diminutive, uh, eccentric performer. Hugh, he's in episode one of the Sea Devils, and they saw him uh, for the role of the Seventh Doctor. So they were clearly going for the sort of Troughton-esque vibe, and and I think on this they've got Dermot Crowley's uh, uh, audition, which is quite Troughton-esque as well, which which I think was a which was a good move after the big sort of overbearing. Colin Baker to try and recapture some of the sort of pixie-like qualities that the Doctor can have. We haven't had a pixie-like Doctor in uh, in this era, really. I mean, Matt Smith is quite Troughton-esque and, and quite McCoy-esque, actually. That sort of, that brilliant, look at his eyes, that brilliant sort of melancholy. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, nice to know who, yeah, who they were looking at as, as alternatives. Oh, Oh yeah, and we like the double pulse. Yeah, and I I think he's quite sweet here, isn't he? I see, I which which is very helpful. Uh, although, Mel, ah, oh, that's very sweet. Um, now interesting that she goes. I know about regeneration, of course, because we just need to get over this and get into the story. Whereas, of course, every time the series is relaunched now, the uh, you know we I think they 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 make more of a meal of regeneration in order to bring in you know casual viewers who might go. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I haven't watched it for ages, but I'll I'll watch to see what the new guy slash gal is like. Um, so that's interesting that uh, they're they're. What they're trying to do here is not draw attention to the fact that they've sort of summarily dismissed their their former leading man, and they just want to sort of convince you that it's it's business as usual, um, which is uh, which is a you know a legitimate approach. But I, I I think now what you try and do is you try to um, you you try to do a bit more explanation. Would you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think the four, four eyes thing is great, um, and. Uh, Bill Dudman, I think, did a lot of this uh, this model work. Uh, he, uh, who's the film cameraman, William Dudman, um, and I don't know if Kathleen Dudman's husband, 
who is also, I think, called William in The Curse of Fenric, is named after Bill. He was one of the first people that got in touch with me when I did my Who's Round podcast. And he worked, I mean, he worked on Fury from the Deep as a, as a, some sort of, you know, junior, junior, lowly assistant guy. Um, but he shot all the model work for season 24 and kept it. So if any of it's on the disc, uh, uh, I think some of that must have come from come from Bill because I I passed it on. I don't know if they or they might have already had it, so I'm not taking full credit for that. But um, Bill certainly gave me uh, all the stuff that he shot uh, on a DVD that he kept um, kept all the Starcop stuff as well. Um, so there they are, two old mates, uh, and I like their costumes too. I like the colour scheme. And the Doctor is 953. Uh, now, Colin had said, I'm a 900-year-old Time Lord, hadn't he? Although in Silurians, uh, John Pertwee talks about living for several thousand years. Um, but I think that's pretty definitive because it's a plot... Well, it's not a plot point, but it's a it's a, it's a jeopardy point that uh, 953 is his age and the Rani's. Um, so the Rani's TARDIS is made of CSO. Uh which has got better since the Pertwee era, but you can still spot it, can't you? Because bits of her legs disappear, and it's very hard with that hair, with that wig. Um, but it's not a set that's in it for long enough to justify building a set. Uh, you can tell it's quite. there's quite a lot of moisture in the air of the quarry for what it does to Kate O'Mara's wig and Bonnie Langford's hair. Bonnie Langford's hair, by the way, is amazing. Look at that. That's, that's incredible hair. I, I don't quite know how she keeps it under control because uh, I've known women with hair and um, uh, and it's and it takes some wrangling but especially of that volume and that uh, curliness um, I, uh, I I like Donald Pickering but I do think he's better at I do think he's better served as a villain uh, I mean but he does a perfectly good job as Bayes here but he has a that that sort of that Britishness that he has, that uh, that sort of quite clipped delivery that he has, uh, I, I think makes him particularly good. I think he's brilliant as Captain Blade in in and and he's very good as Ison in in Keys Marriage, But it, Captain Blade in the in the Faceless Ones is a is a superb study in cold villainy. I, I love uh, the we've just seen the Rani go into a base, which to add to the glitter gun and the space tinsel uh, has painted blue rocks outside because well, we've got some rocks how do we make them space rocks spray them blue um there's a lot of stuff like that that i quite enjoy even though i don't think i should um so so the idea is that the rani is collecting lots of geniuses um and i quite like that because it means you get the cameo from einstein which i think is is quite sweet um it's i, I wonder if i wonder if they considered getting you know patrick moore or david attenborough that would have been quite no, it would have been awful. Um, but it would have been nice in, in retrospect. Um, I can't even remember what the 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 cliffhanger to this episode is. Oh yes, I can. It's um. Doesn't he go into the? Doesn't he go into the tetrap place? Yeah. Um, she's still. I I'd forgotten she dressed as Mel for quite quite this long. Uh, does she stay as Mel for the whole thing? I don't think she does. And 
I mean, it's quite revolutionary, the idea of going, well, let's have a let's have a baddie Time Lord. And the twist is, it's a woman, because women aren't allowed to do much. Uh, but actually, this has got quite a high female quotient in the cast. Um, he was handsome, wasn't he, Donald Pickering? I know I had his autograph once on a theatre thing, and I think my mother cleared it away. I had some theatre programmes with stuff that had been left behind for me uh, uh, by a friend at uh, at the Grand Theatre of Hampton. I had him, I had Dursley McClendon, uh, I had a couple of the guys, I had Carl Forgione from Ghostlight, and they were all in a drawer in a desk, and I think my mother cleared them out, because uh, I don't have those anymore, uh, which is very sad for me. Um, but I, I, haven't, I, haven't lost, I haven't lost too many things over the years. Because uh, I, I like to think I get paranoid about losing things. Uh, that's great. And the lighting the lighting there is very nice. The lighting suddenly got much better. In fact, the lighting should be at this, this kind of level all the time. It would be better. She She's game there, Katie. Well, she, she, she pulls that off. Um, although it is quite stodgy. Um, uh, and this is, the, yes, this is the cliffhanger. Because, uh, and this has been nicely set up because we've seen that sort of whatever it is, and it looks a bit like sort of gooey blood uh, coming to feed the tetrap. So this has been nicely signalled. Uh, so we know this is some sort of dangerous place. And they look great hanging upside down. I remember they were originally, were they on one of, was it the original Target cover? Was just them hanging upside down in a photo? And, and I think there was a kind of, yeah, we're not, that's, that's, come on, this is, this has got, a new doctor and the rani in it and you've just grabbed a photo of the monsters did they ever use that i think it may have just been a uh, an original try that was then you know rightly vetoed but they're great that idea of having and they look good they look like bats and i think monsters that are based on things we we sort of understand the biology of uh, it, it gives us a little bit of an in and it makes them sort of convincing yeah um and that's that's quite nicely shot uh yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. There we go. Am I enjo am I am I enjoying time and the Rani enough? Which remember, I mean, it's, and it's difficult as well because most of the stories I'm watching for this I've watched relatively recently because I watch Doctor Who all the time. Um, so it's really odd watching watching one I I haven't seen for at least a decade. Um, Tony Redston, the production manager, died recently. And Fagetta, I interviewed, thought she, gosh, I think her first credit was on, well, not credit, but her first time on Doctor Who was the Macra Terror. Uh, she, she, she did a lot. I liked her. She was a, 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 a very nice uh, woman. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed her. She's, she's on, she's on uh, a Who's Round, if you want to check it out on my Big Finish Who's Round podcast. Jeff Powell, we never, we've never found Jeff Powell. Um, I know he smoked a lot because he, I think he drew a lot of his designs on the back of Benson and Hedges packets. <laughs> um, so, I'm pausing that, and I'm going to see what the what. Oh, what have I just paused? Oh, I've just paused Netflix. Did, <laughs> right, hang on. Right. So, what is Anthony? going to say about time and the Rani part two.
So before I go over to Anthony, uh, my favourite thing about Time and the Rani episode two is... Uh, well, I did... I did Bonnie Langford as uh, Kate O'Mara as Bonnie Langford for part one. So I'm going to go for what I nearly went with for part one that still feature in part two. And that is uh, the bubble traps, which I think are a terrific special effect and stand up well today. And they were good at the time. Okay, so Mr. Haydoke has just been enjoying himself immensely through part two of Time and the Rani. Um, what can we say about it? Well, again, there's lots to say, but one of the things I mentioned is uh, is 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 these guys here, Ooh, the Tetraps. I think they're a fantastic monster. They are different. They're bat-like. Okay, they look like dumpy blokes, but there you go. But the eyes, the four eyes, is is just uh, a fun thing as well. Seeing how they use the the camera work to uh, to show that. So the reveal is in this episode and they're rather fab. But I think what we have to talk about specifically here is pretty amazing guest cast who are, uh, most of them doing their all to the script. Whatever you think about it, their performances are just taking it completely seriously as of course you have to do. But we have Donald Pickering, uh, who has of course been in Who Before and the Faceless Ones. We have Kate O'Mara just being, a wonderful on only a second return and, and, and she's so great that she has become part of Doctor Who lore just from two stories everyone's always going about where's the Riley coming back but you can't really imagine the role without Kate O'Mara but the person I want to mention here and the highlight of this episode is somebody who I have always had a thing for I don't know why I just think she's utterly utterly amazing and wonderful and in fact when I finally got to meet her a couple of years ago after I came away, I had a little cry. I was just so happy and she was wonderful. And um, yeah, so highlights of part two is the amazing, the incredible, the utterly beautiful Wonder Ventham. Ah, uh, yeah, now I could have gone for Wonder Ventham and especially her tears, because as I say, real tears are very rare in classic Doctor Who. It's not often you see sort of, you know, that kind of genuine uh, emotion uh, you know, so vividly done. So that's a good choice, and I think probably a better one than mine. So I will tip my hat to Anthony, um, whilst also, so yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm. It's, it's, t it's too, it's too nil to Anthony. So um, I'm hoping this is not uh, a premonition of what's going to happen with the football on Sunday. I'm recording this in the lead up to. Uh, the European final in which which England are in for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, whereas uh, Time and the Rani for me was on, well, half a lifetime ago. Goodness me, more than that even? How old was I when this was on? Uh, I was 13, 13, 14. Gosh, now I'm 47. Gosh. Well, I've been, I've had, I've had two sets of, <laughs> have I had two sets? So 14, 28, 40, I've had, I've had two of the, the, the amount of life I've lived by the time this was on, I've lived twice over. Oh my 
God. Oh, the humanity. Well, look, it flies by, so we have to grasp it and enjoy it as much as we can. Right, well... Oh, that was postman. Right, well, I've plenty to do today, but I'm doing this. Uh, I've got up early. Uh, stop, I'm trying to... That's awful, isn't it? That's a real... That's a real performative... Uh, opening there isn't it I'm yes I'm doing a thing I'm doing a really important thing what, what are you doing Toby um, I'm watching television but you just made it sound like you were doing something really important well my, my friend is poorly and uh, I'm doing something to help oh what are you doing are you doing a running a marathon to raise money for the NHS you're actually going to see that person uh, uh, carrying goodies and comestibles and uh, delighting them with your presence uh, and, and or doing something genuinely helpful like ferrying them about um, no I'm I'm going to try to enjoy watching a Doctor Who story oh my god t t I mean Amnesty International the SAS they have nothing on you Toby uh, <laughs> well I'm doing hello Bernard Bernard's come and brought me a letter uh, I'm doing I'm I'm doing what I can <laughs> come here Ben good boy uh, I'm doing what I can um, which is to watch Time and the Rani and try and have a good time while doing so. Which, I mean, is kind of the point a little bit. Um, come on, pal. Come on. Come on. Come on. Good boy. Uh, brief hiatus there because Bernard jumped up and pressed stop. <laughs> he, you see, this is the sort of thing real heroes have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to move the computer because uh, your pause are reliability. Hello, my darling boy. Bernard says hello uh, in, in a way that only dogs can by not saying anything. Anyway, I see this is heroic. I look at the forces of, of evil I'm having to overcome in order to watch Time and the Rani, episode three. Bernard, we're going to press play in three Two, one. Dum -ba -da dum, dum -ba -da dum, dum -ba -da dum. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a wise move, uh, uh, moving from the 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 Starfield uh, title sequence uh, to have something more ambitious. And I think you know, I I I think it's it's quite a long title sequence. Um. I mean, nowadays some shows are... I feel... I, I'm sad that shows don't have uh, title sequences. And I know Doctor Who's done it a couple of times recently. I actually thought that was quite intriguing when on Jodie Whittaker's first episode there wasn't a title sequence because it held something back uh, for, 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 for the following week. Uh, but, you know, yeah, shows do need title sequences. Yes, I remember the, the episode starting uh, this way. So Time and the Rani, of course, uh, is is sort of based on uh, the title of Time and the Conways, a marvellous uh, J.B. Priestley play. If you've never experienced any of J.B. Priestley's time plays, they're sort of, you know, drawing room plays with people all being terribly polite to each other, but then they're really weird. Um, and I think they're fabulous. I discovered them. Uh, I think, oh, somebody was doing a production of... Uh, time in the Conways and I fancied being in it so I read it and went oh this is not what I expect um, no it must I must have 
No, it must have been earlier than that. That must have been a rereading, because I think I was younger. I think I was at college when I first read Priestley. Inspector Calls. We never studied any of it, but there was a, 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 a production of an Inspector Calls that um, uh, went to the West End and toured and usually had three very interesting actors in it, at least a couple of whom had been in Doc 2. I remember the one I read, and I never saw it, but I, I would quite often be at theatres it was in or walk past theatres where there was a poster. Uh, and I think the triumvirate of Paul Shelley, Rula Lenska and Bernard Kay uh, was the one I would really fancied watching. Uh, Pers Persuasion, Inspector Crossland, and D D Dr. Styles. Um, I've met them all since. Um, so yeah, I, I do like the I like the uh, the the viscous bloody goo, um, and the lighting and everything, and the smoke and the the whole feel. Uh, that I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging the tet traps, uh, having found them somewhat. Uh, cumbersome i think uh as as a as a youngster i think the, the the as i say the rubbery masks are slightly uh and and they've got funny pot bellies haven't they but i actually rather like them i i uh i i think the bat thing works i think richard gauntlet is very good as the the one who talks it's very economical with the cast here actually the cast list is uh very small it's a very good way of uh you know telling a story on a limited budget um in that that you 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 don't have you know you're telling it with very few characters i do like the lucretian colors seeing as we're set in a quarry although i don't mind doc two being set in a quarry because what on earth is sylvester mccoy doing there it's very funny um he's he's high energy straight away isn't he um so let's have a look at the, the lighting is so much better um, since the the doctor did whatever he did to the, or the, since whatever plot happened to the lighting state, um, yeah. No, I actually think the tet traps are. I actually think the tet traps are pretty good. You know, um, hair was always a problem in those days because hair always. They always made hair look sort of nice. I mean, that that's that monster hair now would be greasy and streaky and oily uh, to make it seem slightly more organic. We were they weren't for. I, th I, th I think I presume having any sort of moisture on set was problematic, uh, not in the current sense of the word. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't that it reminded people of when they stained a shirt once and just simply couldn't cope. Um, but uh, I know that the, the Destroyer has... I remember it being seem, seeming amazing because the Destroyer had a bit of sort of watery saliva in his gob. And then you go, oh my God, they've done an amazing thing. They've put liquid on a monster. Um, <laughs> uh, I know a lot of Doctor Who fans who've probably put liquid on a monster. But uh, that's, see, I'm now being... I'm now behaving, uh, broadcasting in a way that... Uh, that has a similar tone to uh, the talk on the WhatsApp group um, that is supporting our stricken pal uh, for whom we are doing this. Lovely, Anthony. Um, but it's but but 
I suppose it's a an important choice, really, for me, um, in the sense that I, I, you know, I, I set up this podcast to be positive about Doctor Who. Um, oh, the lights have come back on again. Um, oh, I think. Oh, I think there's a there's, there's another instance of somebody falling down the stairs very badly. I think he's supposed to have banged his head there which is entirely the wrong camera angle to do that uh, and Mel does a similar thing in Dragonfire um, I suppose it's just the nature of the beast uh, multi-camera um, I mean he he sort of he basically kicked the umbrella and leapt over it and <laughs> fell down uh, but you know he's a he's a senior gentleman uh, dressed in green and uh, who's not a stuntman who had to do something in a yeah and it's those sorts of things that you know I, I think you simply wouldn't you just you'd not you'd do it again you'd do something in post but you, you they they couldn't you know this is the speed of speed at which they're doing things but i don't i, I don't mind it um she has there's something about the way bonnie langford runs that that is i mean she even she even runs with a sort of um, choreographed energy um, it's not a criticism but it is it is a sort of unique thing to Bonnie Lang you, you imagine she even sort of takes a drink uh, in a way that has no wasted movement do you know what I mean that's what it is there's no wasted movement oh that's brilliant the way that she's picked up and she's she's absolutely prone because she's because she's uh, she can dance can't she so um, yeah none of her movement is sloppy at all but that means, and because of the sort of buoyancy of her performance, that means everything's uh, uh, everything sort of uh, well, nothing's wasted. Yeah, no movement, nothing is sloppy. Uh, but of course, that does make it look slightly theatrical. But um, but I suppose now you just go well, Melly is somebody who does yoga you know that's why her movements are so precise she's she's not a song she's not a song and dance woman uh who's been transplanted into a science fiction show um but it's amazing i i without the baggage um i think it actually it really benefits from from bonnie langford's uh energy and maybe i've brought my own baggage to it now because i've met her and liked her and because i i don't like people being uh, mean to or about performers who are very skilled um, so I've probably got more positive baggage now but that's that's the point of, of, of um, what what this is 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 to it, like they say when you when you're old enough to play Romeo and Juliet you're too old um, and when you're young enough you haven't got the experience to uh, portray the necessary emotions I always think when when you're a young Doctor Who fan, <laughs> you spend because it's always has the shadow of either mockery of other people or cessation due to beastly executives or uh, angry you know newspapers who want to undermine it because Doctor Who's always attracted the press. Um, the 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 acting of 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 these two is is very good and it's almost like they're in a diff, different show i like the way he does this donald pickering it's the, it's the sort of it's almost like they've gone 
um, yeah, we we know it's a we know it's a funny old thing, and there's some slightly odd dialogue, and and you'll be dressed as a green lion scaly thing, uh, but there is a bit of acting in episode three. <laughs> uh, yes, I notice uh, Wanda has some tears in episode two. Do I get anything? Yes, Donald, don't worry. There's some acting. Um, and that's essentially, that's what I was talking about at the beginning uh, with this. So what are you doing to help your friend, Toby? I, f I feel a bit like in Team America. I'm helping him with my podcasting. Oh, your podcasting's going to save the world, is it, Toby? <laughs> um, great shot. Uh, nice shot from above. Um, that's the killer bees, isn't it? So, yes, talking about being a young Doctor Who fan and spending so much time being angry or frustrated or worried it gave, or any anger came from fear that the thing I loved would be taken away so I, I was prone to see its shortcomings and and, and as I say I, I, I do look at people on, on, on Twitter taking Doc 2 terribly seriously now it, of course it is serious it's pr probably the most important thing that isn't a person in my life and I've only added the caveat that isn't a person in order to appear like a functioning human being but i've done quite well without people sometimes and doctor who's always been there so it has genuinely been you know the the most important thing in my life um and i've spent a lot of time being upset with it um and worried about it uh and and i don't know if it's age or experience i'm not going to say it's wisdom um I think social media is helped because I've just seen so many other people being unhappy and unnecessary. And the people that I'm drawn to on social media are the ones who are fun and creative. Um, uh, that You know, that, that, that Doctor Who um, is an outlet for their wit and creativity and uh, and technical skills. Some of the stuff that's done uh, technically on, on uh, the internet by Doctor Who fans for free, who aren't you know necessarily professionals, but they're people who are, See far more skilled than a lot of professionals out there um means that yeah this time watching time and the rani again i wish i could watch it without having to gas on the rani is back into her cool uh sexy space dominatrix costume um i mean how how much effort goes into making hair that big i don't know because i'm hair has never been my forte but uh that you know you you've got to get up early to add that sort of volume that sort of luster to your mane haven't you uh killer bees uh, um uh killer insects that's it not killer bees killer insects uh, uh emphasized in post-production adr because uh, he didn't actually say that at the time uh, I, I i like the way it was i think mark greenstreet there did some of the uh I'm running up the stairs, so I'm going to do the Lacertian uh, arm thing. And I thought I liked that, whatever that was, the 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 thing he did with his hands to try and get his mate to uh, Lanisha, John Siegel, um, to, uh, to to respond to him or whatever. Um, again, just any anything to give sort of alien thought. But uh, yes, my, my, a, alien. Um, physicality but yes mark greenstreet was doing the thing with his arms as he ran up the stairs and everyone else was just running about because they're uh, they didn't have a lacertian choreographer to i think everyone doing it might have looked a bit 
odd as well but odd is good actually we can do what being how how do you decide how far you go with making things look uh alien because they can look daft but as we've seen choreography can really help like um you know the choreography of the scarecrows in uh uh human nature family of blood is is a great thing of going we're actually going to think about the movement of this and we've seen many a sort of slow shambling monster but if you do too much it can also not because aliens wouldn't look weird and wouldn't look perhaps even look silly to us um uh but because you know death can look quite silly F fights can look quite silly and awkward but if you if you put a fight as silly and awkward as it might look in real life it wouldn't look good on television this is good i i actually like this because she's suggesting with her body that something's a bit off and that 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 sort of dehumanization of mel and the the bit where she walked through I, i'd actually forgotten about that bit and i think that was really effective um and i talking of body language i do like the way that urak moves as well he's uh uh, he's he's got a sort of feral scurrying uh, gait that uh, that he does, um, and I think the upside down thing is great. I remember because Kate O'Mara hangs upside down in the last episode, doesn't she? And I and I think that messed with her eyes. I think her blood vessels burst in her eyes or something uh, because uh, uh, because she was left hanging around too long. Because but actually hanging upside down is not massively comfortable. Um, I. Could they have had other more scientists, more famous scientists? Einstein is such a good look uh, that I, I I like the fact that uh, Einstein is in a cupboard. Um, I I like those sorts of incongruities with Doctor or those those those, those yes those those sort of strange visuals of of, of getting uh, you know an iconic figure uh, like Einstein and and plonking him in a cupboard on a space planet as opposed to a normal planet. Um, so Bess's head is all right now <laughs> but his dignity might never recover uh, yes Donald Pickering I, d I don't think I said last episode uh, I, I, I once interviewed a veteran director and he'd got a poster on his wall uh, and, uh, and he said uh, uh, he was a mixer uh, which I never quite got to the bottom of. I think it meant that he was somebody that would, like a sort of Iago, I I pour, pouring poison into the ear of the other actors. But uh, yes, it, it wasn't uh, uh, it, it wasn't a flattering report, shall we say? But of course, that's one person's experience. I, I know Wanda Ventham is lovely, and he was her best friend. So uh, you know, uh, you must always make your own mind up when you meet people. I sadly never had the pleasure with Donald Pickering. I think I did write to him and I never heard back did I not sure as I said I did a friend did get his autograph for me at a theatre stage door and my mother has uh, disposed of it or whatever um, Kate Amara was actually only in as Anthony said it was only in uh, eight episodes but she made a real mark and would uh, it's 
I mean, I suppose the the master is only Roger Delgado until you recast it and do something with it, and then other people make it their own. So, you, because Kate Mara is the only view we have of the Rani, you, you know, she's definitive. But there's there's no way you could there's no, there's no way you can't have a a, a different amoral scientist time lord. But I suppose the fact that she is female is now no longer the the headline that it once was now that time lords can can uh change because uh, we've got a female master so suddenly go a female evil time lord and you go well yeah we 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 do we've done that already oh damn uh unless unless she where she she might be maybe she could be fluid with her gender when she's regenerating but she can't be fluid with her 80s-ness so what actually makes the rani distinctive is uh, is not that it's an evil time lady. It's an evil time eighties person, uh, and she must always have essence. Of it. So the next one's got a, a headband and sweatpants on, uh, and does her evil to uh, workout montages, <laughs> or something like that. Um, uh, I, Kef McCulloch does get some stick, and I, 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 I think he. He, I like the way that he's holding his gun out like that. I'm gonna do something with my gun. Um, uh, I, I quite like the way he f fills uh, these adventures with music because, because, you know, it's it's some actors in a quarry with blue stones. It's 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 shot on videotape. Is it is is quite hard to sell it as a sort of science fiction epic because of the equipment being used so i think the music is is, is perhaps more more vital than than it might be in other programs which is why it's slightly more wall-to-wall -wall. uh oh yes good uh, good stunned acting there sylvester mccoy percy james patrick kentsmith uh Bayes is a bit. Uh... Oh no, he's going to be. He's going to be heroic now, isn't he? Um... Yeah, I like the I like the the the, the vocal sampling on the uh, on the music there. Uh, oh, is this where we get? Because we yeah, because we've been we've uh, we've uh, not known uh, what it is is in her is in her big room. That's some philosophy, if you like. <laughs> do what do we think of the Pip and Jane approach to dialogue? I have to say, as a kid, uh, you know, it was something I would sort of parade at school and go, "Well, Doctor Who has taught me words I might otherwise never use." And uh, you know, I've, we've, you know, it's well known. Uh, I'm not the only person to have written or podcasted or whatever on it about you know how the the target books uh, would increase our vocabulary. So therefore, Doctor Who is worthy and it is educational, but. I have to say, Pip and Jane Baker have taught me words I will never use in a million years, and certainly not in the combination they use them in. But th there's, I, I, I like their gleefulness with preposterous language. Um, it, 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 
I, I mean, again, I, again, I'm not sure I think it's any good um, because it it is a bit like that bloke that you know lives with his mum uh, and uh, I, I better not, I better, I better be careful because I might be describing people. Like, but, but people who use language that is slightly more flamboyant than their personality can back up. And it's always, it's always quite an odd, uh, an odd juxtaposition. I like the brain and Peter Tudnam uh, and Jackie Webb, but Peter Tudnam particularly uh, doing the voice because he, uh, obviously Blake Seven, so you go, yeah, he's got, got, they got the voice man. Um, uh, the, the music's really going hell for leather now. It's It's got the feeling of, yeah, this is this is really building to a, a, a climax. It's going, yeah, this is uh, the uh, the dure is hitting the or oh, whatever. However, Pip and Jay might put it. Uh, the dure is hitting the ventilator. Uh, liking the red lighting, but I love the brain. I think a giant brain is. Uh, is a is a terrific image uh but but the, but there is also something glorious about a vampish 80s woman talking to a big pink brain uh whilst bonnie langford screams whilst being manhandled by a walking bat i dedicated my life to this program <laughs> oh dear god uh <laughs> Um, I've just suddenly had a realisation that life has been entirely pointless um, and the amount of anguish that it's caused me with people misrepresenting it or people who love it saying something wrong about it in a magazine or simply somebody having a different opinion to it from me and I go, oh, this is, but how can I deal with such injustice uh, <laughs> and or, or, or incorrectness um, Oh, uh, and 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 it's 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 this it's this very silly program so oh alistair mitchell ob cameraman i thought he only worked on warriors of the deep i think alistair mitchell here's one for you alistair mitchell uh is the father of the woman who wrote 50 shades of gray so not only have we got a vampish 80s woman talking to a giant brain, we've got the man who spawned the sexy book. Uh, uh, so somehow infused in the DNA, somehow infused in the DNA of Fifty Shades of Grey is a little bit of time in the Rani. Um, because, you know, we're all a sum of our experiences and influences. What do I like about episode three uh i love the way it built to a climax at the end there um but i think it's got to be the big brain i love the big brain uh it, it's kicked it up a gear I, I don't really know what it means or where it's from or whose whose brain it is because presumably a brain used to have to be inside thing but i sort of think that with the face of Bo as well what, what happened to the rest of him he wasn't born as a head well he might be captain jack who knows but um you know how does he breathe where are his lungs if he was only a head how does he anyway but the, the brain is 
a striking Im image. I like the brains of Morphoton in Keys of Marinus too. Uh, so, do, is it the brain? Or am I going to say Kef McCulloch's music? Because I think that has had some splendid moments. And I did choose that for Battlefield, which is slightly cheating. And I chose Dominic Glynn's music for Battlefield. And I do think Dominic Glynn's music is much, much better than Kef McCulloch's music. And yet I have a... I have an enjoyment of Kef McCulloch's, you know, in in, in the enthusiastic racket uh, that uh, fills the, the stories um, is 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 a key element to my memories of it, uh, and and has had a bit of a bad press, um, uh, and and actually I find myself finding it key ingredients of uh, of these age stories again. I think compensating for the fact that. Um, you know, you have half a dozen actors in a in a plywood set or in a quarry augmented with space tinsel, uh, and it's videotape, um, and you need to you need to somehow have something in the soundtrack to uh, give it the sort of epic quality that that sometimes the resources otherwise cannot cannot convey. Um, but could Kef's, Kef McCulloch's music be the overall thing that I do? What's Anthony going to choose as well? Uh, I mean, they they will probably choose Kato Mara's hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, that's part of what this game is. It's anticipating what your guest, uh, what floats your guest's boat. I'm going to choose... No, I'm going to choose... I'm going to choose the brain. I'm going to choose the big, sexy brain. Well, what can you say about part three? Um, a lot. There's a lot of running around. It's, it's uh, you know, it is a typical part three, run from here to there to everywhere. That's, you know, that's, that's not a problem. That's fun. We get some additional characters. We get some nasty bits. We get a lot of Kate with her hands on the hips, which is just fantastic. We get a nice bit of uh, Wonder Anthem swooping about. So that's, that's great as well. Uh, but I think here you also have to mention the effects. How wonderful are the effects? Oh, my gosh. The bubble effects, obviously. The uh, strange matter asteroid and the rocket that launches later in the, in the story towards it, the lift off and the citadel itself is just fantastic. Uh, so it all goes to help to alleviate it from and elevate it from just being in a quarry, uh, which it so obviously is. But there's one thing in this episode I felt was really, really special. And again, I'm gonna fall back on guest cast, but I mean, I'm not really a huge Blake Seven fan, I kind of missed it the first time round when it was on, but I knew a lot about it because of the crossovers with Who, but it just, thrilled me and still does that we have lending his voice the great and unfortunately late Peter Tuttenham who uh, of course was Orac and Zen and Slave in Blake 7 very famously and uh, it's just so wonderful to have him here lending his his voice so my highlight for part three is the inclusion of Peter Tuttenham. That's odd because I'm so conscious of because i always go I, I i would always choose the guest cast largely because i could go and i've got a fact about them what's the fact they were once in a production of an ideal husband in salisbury that's, that's not really a fact uh, as so much as a part of a cv 
well, it makes me interest. It doesn't make you interesting, Toby. I I try to think it makes me interested. This is why you will never be truly happy. Um, which, <laughs> um, and yet I haven't chosen uh, the guest cast from this because I think I I I I I, I try and uh, I try and limit the amount of times that I do. Typically, uh, <laughs> Anthony has done it twice. Um, I did mention Peter Tuddenham and mispronounce his name. Why did I say Tuddenham? I don't know why. I think a friend of mine once pronounced it like that and it sort of stuck. Um, but of course, I think his son, Luke Tuddenham, uh, does the news on on uh, on one of the BBC radio channels. So I know how it's pronounced. Um, I just, yeah. It's funny how you can know something and still do something wrong, um, <laughs> which is which, which is why uh, one should, yes, one should never have a go at somebody for a typo because uh, they probably know it's wrong if they'd noticed it anyway what am i i'm i'm talking rubbish now um what do you mean now toby it's been 25 minutes um right so um i'm totally losing this let's see if anthony can whitewash me two facts uh when it comes to episode four um but uh that's the end of episode three Will we uh, be able to see it through to the end and get our hands on the Loy Hargill, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is an anagram of Holy Grail. That's the sort of thing Pip and Jane Baker did. And I'm sure it whiled away the hours in Ryslip where they lived uh, in, in a most entertaining way. God bless them. Um, my name is Toby. Thank you for listening and or watching to episode three of Time and the Rani. I'll be back with episode four shortly uh, please do stick around right to the end to listen out for details of the gofundme for anthony who is the reason i am doing this like the hero that i am by watching some television and not shutting the fuck up uh okay i'm now gonna do the second bit of that god i have episode four of time and the rani nothing can stop me now um so, uh, I'm going to get uh, my fancy Blu-ray lined up. I'd let the previous episode overrun slightly. So, um, uh, get ready. Do you have the Blu-ray? Do you have, uh, 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 I haven't actually uh, delved into any of the extras on this set, but uh, uh, it's good timing for me to um, tear it out of its cellophane. I always feel when I'm doing that going, I've immediately reduced its collectability. <laughs> um, uh, it's episode four of Time and the Rani with my special guest Anthony Townsend uh, who is going to tell me their favourite two things one thing for episode four and one overall thing at the end of this I've so far guessed none of the same things let's see if we can be in accord at least in time for the final part of Time and the Rani press play in three, two, one um, I started chatting about uh, Pip and Jane Baker uh, 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 w when I was uh, going through um, uh, a divorce. Uh, I know I, I see I appear such fun, and yet there's a trail of disappointed women behind me. <laughs> I suppose actually they're probably less disappointed now. They were disappointed at the time. I have released them from their disappointment. Um, uh, I stayed with a friend in Rystip. Here's now here's. Oh, I'm glad they haven't uh, messed with the titles 
they've got the wrong titles on episode four. They've got the bit where the Doctor's face appears, but you can't see it. So I can see why they went, should we, should we do that again? Um, uh, and they painted his face gold. I'm, uh, but anyway, from, however they did it, they did it better on, on all the other occasions, but accidentally stuck the wrong one on. But I like uh, the fact that the opening titles are not uniform. Um, I like the fact that little anomalies creep in. Uh, and in fact, I've, it's a deliberate policy of my podcast is that I'll sometimes use an a experiment with using a different uh, length of the musical opening or a, or a, or, or a, different, a different mix of the music or, or just a slightly different thing. Just because the professional in me goes, they should all be uniform and all be the same. And then you look at things where everything's uniform and the same and you go, but I don't like those, they're soulless. So um, I shall I shall introduce some. So it's not it's not like forced eccentricity. I'm not doing it on purpose, but it's just if it, if if I feel like doing it slightly differently one week, I will. Um, poor old Bonnie, that's that poor old Bonnie Langford's got this massive great back claw on her face and just see one eye acting away. Pip <laughs> um, and Jane Baker. Um, I remember when I first saw their name on the credits because Pip seems like quite a young name, doesn't it? I thought I thought maybe it was a sort of uh, a brother and sister, um, and and they were and they were sort of young and bohemian and Pip, Pip and Jane. Um, I didn't realise they were these sort of slightly adorable middle-aged couple. Um, uh, and she apparently frequently finished his sentences, uh, and and they could be seen round rice slip where i was staying going through my divorce but i never actually had the pleasure myself and it's odd because i was doing i started doing who's round my podcast to get through that's a great shot and great the quarry is doing excellent work here um and he's uh, he's putting some effort into his walk in that monster um and uh and it's weird because pip and jane were a sort of that they they were sort of mocked um they, they they were viewed with a sort of amused disdain by by doctor who fandom uh and i think that's a shame because so i i was i was sort of i, I never quite got round to going oh i should interview them i think because they were so close as well i thought well that'll be easy and um for some reason i I get less satisfaction out of doing things that are straightforward. You know, I, I would rather not interview somebody who lived next door to my brother, say, um, because that could easily be arranged. I'd rather interview somebody that it was really hard to get into contact with and very difficult to secure because that somehow seems like more of an achievement. Um, it's a bit Puritan, that, isn't it? Through hard work and suffering comes, uh, comes achievement and value. Um, but, uh, so I, I never, I never had the pleasure with Pip and Jane Baker and I suspect it would have been a delightful time. And I think when you talk to people who've done the, uh, who, who've done the work, um, as with Richard Martin, whose direction I was not a great fan of, um, when I actually met and spoke to the man, you, 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 you sort of see the, the man in the work a bit more then and, and, and it, and it makes you more sympathetic to it. Um. If you can hear a noise, by the way, it's my snoring dog, but he snores in a way that suggests he's got indigestion, um, but he's just having a snore. That, that all looks quite good. The, sh the sheer number, you forget how many tetraps there are. Um, their pot bellies are rather cute, aren't they? 
Um, and it's it, it's odd that because there are so many available to the production, it's odd that we've largely seen, you know, Eurek and or one other for for most of the story. I suppose it means it's it's kicking up the odds in uh, in in the final episode. Um, uh, now, I th I think Bayus has already signalled that he's ripe for self-sacrifice, just in the fact that he's the, you know, he's the one who's helping the Rani, but he's, you know, he's he's got some nobility about him. But at least he's not doing what Ian McElhenney did in uh, the Timeless Children. He's spending the whole thing going, and I'm quite old, so it doesn't really matter if I die, because she sort of go, why why are you spending all of the episode? Um, T taking any wind out of the dramatic sails that that, that, that that there may be if 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 we have to lose a much loved character, you're essentially going. It, it will be less sad if I die. So I I I feel at least Beas's uh, sacrifice. Although I seem to recall, he doesn't actually really need to be there. I'll see if my memory is correct. That he just basically they're checking a couple of connections. Um, uh, this is this is uh, I have a friend who's a great big Elvis fan, and I think he was quite chuffed because Doc Two mentions Elvis in this episode. It's, it's odd, isn't it, that Doc Two could run for so long and only actually mention Elvis once uh, in in the whole of the classic series? Does Elvis get a mention in the new series? Oh, well done, Kate Amara. There, she had to act whilst also not getting out of the small cupboard that she's in with the door that shuts quite slowly. She had to do a sort of vampish sort of, oh, I'm so furious, and yet yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to actually try and get out of here because I'm not supposed to. Uh, but I need to buy the door a bit of time. Um, and it's that sort of stage trick um, that you would use to sell something in the theatre a little bit that you don't need to employ in television anymore because we have uh, you know much more um access to you know to cutting and to post and to various things that can that can shave off little nanoseconds that can tighten up the action but uh, because so much of this was you know real time it is a bit more theatrical and so you need uh, I saw Kate O'Mara on stage in Antony in a sexy Antony and Cleopatra and it caused some uh, it caused some consternation because, um, as as the minister in blot on the landscape would say, there was a teat, uh, there was a, there was a nipple on the poster. Uh, Kate, Kate, Kate uh, sort of did a slightly warmer version of the uh, of the opening episode of Triangle on the on the poster, and it was you know it was very much billed as a and and uh, so 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 Cleopatra and her and her ladies. Were, I, I mean, they had some gossamer. Uh, sort of uh, uh, tops on, and uh, but there was a, there was a little bit of there was a little bit of um, nippleage uh, in appearance to spice up uh, an otherwise quite long production of Antony and Cleopatra. Uh, oh, that's that's mean. That's a good effect, though. And, and that's, uh, what I particularly like about that is the fact that the hand goes in the water, which means that you're slightly distracted from the mix. It's a very clever, uh, a very clever piece of direction, that, and a neat moment. Little moments like that uh, show when a director is working hard and being clever. Um, oh, Bayus? Oh.
Oh, is he going to release her? I can't remember. I think he must do. Um, but that's all good. That's all dramatic stuff. And Wonder Ventham um, can do sort of gravitas and emotion with just a look. She's beautiful, isn't she? Um, it's actually a cast of beautiful people. Um, you've got all these actors who probably, you know, their agents like, yeah, they look, you know, they look good on camera. They're you know, stunning profiles, good looking actors. And, and Doctor Who goes, yes, and we shall paint them all green and put scales and lion's manes on them. <laughs> um, I hope Mark Greenstreet's well. I liked him. So, yeah, I saw I was with him in Taming of the Shrew and I've seen Kate Amar in Taming of the Shrew. They didn't need nipples to augment that. It was exciting enough. Um were there any other Doctor Who people in her? Oh, and in her Taming of the Shrew, Paul Jericho was in that, uh, in Kate Amara's Taming of the Shrew. Oh, and Rob Edwards, uh, who's in The Robots of Death and is the voice of Zoannan. Uh, was there anybody in her, Anthony and Cleopatra? don't think there was particularly. No. Um, but, uh, yes, it caused, uh, amongst theatre-goers at the Wolverhampton Grand Theatre, there was a some murmurs and i know that some posters that i think you know put a put a an excellent production uh, the times and 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 slapped that on the offending nipple uh, uh censorship via press quotes uh, <laughs> um uh but uh, of course i, I we, we went to see it because it was kate amara from doctor who doing anthony and cleopatra there was nothing uh, we we weren't lured by areoli um <laughs> that's such a thing um uh, oh yes this is but thankfully doctor ne doctor who needs to tell mel so that now this uh that the run is plan is totally understandable to everybody watching um, I, 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 I can't remember the details but actually I don't I don't really care it, uh, it doesn't have to make much sense but because it doesn't have to make make much sense um, I do feel sorry for Kate O'Mara having to say all of that which you could tell she's not particularly over the moon about and then she sort of goes back to being all gloriously uh, vampish when we get back to the emotion you know the stuff about I'm creating a shell of chronons but nothing in the world can stop me destroying things yeah you can do you can do a bit of a, a emotion uh, to that because the the dialogue is yeah is led by you know what the character is feeling about that whereas I don't think you could feel much about explaining a shell of chronons um yeah, it's, it, I actually think Elvis is the punchline to that line, not uh, Mrs. Malaprop. Uh, but I think it, I think the joke there is that this doctor himself is is doing malapropisms um, and getting quotes wrong, which um, I, I, I'm I'm glad somebody decided is possibly the worst thing about him and that he should stop doing. Um, uh, but you know, post regenerative trauma um, uh, makes you try things that your doctor then doesn't do later because the actor is no longer finding their feet uh, <laughs> yeah i think i think that's good post regenerative trauma is a good thing because it gives you license as a performer to go should my doctor um always kick people in the shins uh no, no i don't do that anymore it's post regenerative trauma um 
it's yeah well well done kate because we what we i mean what we don't really know what any of this means loy hargill holy grail that's the beauty of pip and jane baker um a friend of mine did once take a picture of them walking down rice high street and it wasn't intrusive it was it was and it was just from a shot of them from behind of them holding hands and walking down the street and he was very tall and she was quite small uh, and it's a beautiful picture of two lovely old people walking down the street uh, uh, with the added frisson that we know that they are the thesaurus gobbling writers of some silly ludicrous that some of the more uh, uh, the doctor Who stories with the more lu ludicrous landscape of language um uh but what was i talking about um yeah kate kate o'mara there was uh uh doing a lot of heavy lifting uh while the camera was just on her while she was having to look about excited about loy hargill an anagram of holy grail and i'm sure pip and jane baker in the book of time and the rani is it that the the tetraps language is 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 the brilliant wheeze of what can we do to suggest alien different alien language patterns well they speak english but all the words are backwards you go oh, really come on uh, uh, doc two is ambitious and crazy uh, and sometimes misfires um, but but sometimes you get moments where somebody thinks they've had a really good idea and you just have to think about it for a quarter of a second and go that's that's really not a really good idea and why did nobody why did nobody point that out um so there's a nice bit of uh, a nice bit of jeopardy because everyone's got the bad uh, the bad straps on because uh, let's not forget she is a a, 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 a high booted voluminously haired um, I've, I've said space dominatrix before why not um, uh, but the things she does are well there's a will there's a beneficiary yeah very good um, but I don't I, what are we supposed to make of the fact that that bauble has the wire that can it doesn't matter um but it's like they're all in on something that we as a viewer go well that's not that's not you know you haven't worked anything out clever there that that just happened to be lying around um but it's okay because it's safe it's a bit of glitter on their faces as well aren't they but that, um, but that suggests scales where the scale makeup is not so and i and i think the, the shading and everything on on the the facial makeup is very very good i do like the lacursians they might be one of my things and is kef music gonna be kef mcculloch's music gonna be one of my things I, d I did a thing i don't like there i i used a christian name of somebody i don't actually know um i i don't like it yeah I've, i think i've mentioned this before when um uh you know publications called tom baker tom uh or people call him tom when when it's it's tom baker he's not our mate he's doctor who he's an actor um but i'm aware that's very old-fashioned of me um but 
I don't mind being old-fashioned because it it means I now have gravitas. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, why is it that we like things that are old? I th of course, we like things that remind us of of times we understood. As you get older, you, I think you you understand things less, and you're supposed to understand things less because things are more understandable to the younger generation who are creating the world that they're going to end up living in so of course it's going to be a world that they've made sense of that makes increasingly less sense to us um which is which is what keeps which is what keeps us going and uh, and keeps going until we walk off the perch and fall off it um ah pasteur i'd forgotten pasteur is in it so we got we do have Louis Pasteur. So we do have some more A-list uh, scientists as well as uh, as well as Einstein. Who did who played Einstein? It's certainly, I, why would people think that's Patrick Troughton? He's small and he's got a face, um, and that's enough to become a rumor. Um, I can actually probably find out who played. Uh, Einstein, but it's only me who cares. So this is quite neat that the the Rani is hoist by her own petard, as uh, I'm surprised they didn't do. Maybe they do, and I haven't heard it. Um, that her own her own beastly uh, her own beastly uh, uh, explosive ankle, ankle exploders um, uh, are used to uh, blow up her own giant talking brain. What does it talk out of? Uh, doesn't matter. I, in fact, I hate me for saying that. It's probably uh, hooked up to a vocal synthesizer, or it's so big and powerful enough that its thoughts can come out of some sort of device it's got at the base of its thing. The, it's fine. That's fine. I didn't even need to raise it. I was just like somebody on an awful clip show trying to find something to criticise when I'm watching a thing set in a space quarry with blue rocks with uh, evil bat monsters uh, kidnapping Einstein in order to uh, stick them in the cupboard belonging to uh, an actress from Dynasty whilst a very dignified uh, stage actor with over 50 years experience uh, walks around with a lion's mane on um, not actually doing anything apart from going oh, I've got to do something I know I'll adjust the bracelets uh, because we need some emotion and somebody has to die because the only people that have died so far have been uh, fairly small characters uh, and a bit of self-sacrifice uh, is always, uh, uh, you know, an emotional target in a Doctor Who, even though he doesn't doesn't really need to be there. That's a great shot. Um, I'd. <laughs> She's flipping glorious. I love her. Oh, poor old Bess. Uh And he fell over then almost as badly as he fell over when he banged his head on the stairs. Um, but, that, but that was a fall over plus explosion. So unfortunately, he's uh, Lacursian toast. Um, great models. Bill Dudman shot all of these. I like the pink sky as well. Just little touches like that to, to, to suggest alienness. Um, uh, but I've, I, and, the, and the model works very, very good. Um, but I'd forgotten actually 
because Doctor Who gets a bit of stick for quarries, but I, uh, quarries are great locations for Doctor Who. Uh, and I think Andrew Morgan has shot this quarry particularly well. Um, uh, although I, d I don't know why the Rani's Tardis is a pyramid and not a rock, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I think... I like the yes, I like the fact that he keeps see, I like the fact that he keeps fingers crossed. I like my doctor when he's the doctor isn't quite sure um that it's gonna work. Uh I, I like the fact that the doctor is a genius but uh, often makes mistakes. You don't want a a, a flawless hero. They're quite an interesting looking bunch. They've had quite a lot of fun with the uh the you know, the store cupboard the store cupboard uh the store cupboard accoutred geniuses. Um, I wonder if you'd have a few more aliens in there now, though. Uh, oh, I shall remember with admiration his largely pointless sacrifice because nobody went anywhere near it. <laughs> he will not be forgotten, but largely because he gave a much better performance in The Faceless Ones. Um, no, Donald Pickering was very good. Yeah, they've they've... so do I well, he was pretty grumpy with you throughout the whole thing I hope he's alright Mark Greenstreet as I say he was a nice fellow and he's uh, 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 he was a good actor and I, as I say I think he was sort of slightly scuppered by Trainer not being a success oh she's not upside down but something but but yes being hung up for so long caused I know caused Kate Amara a few problems but um yeah credit to the actors who are hanging upside down because it's really really uncomfortable it's a bit like a bat version of the long good friday isn't it <laughs> someone's been totally out of order um now this uh is really stupid um because many of them might now die But and 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 how does she, it's, it's it's I mean when when he said tell the fruit she could have just gone Icona's a dick. <laughs> uh, so that's the first uh, performance. And because funny enough, I I was on Twitter last night having mentioned about the jumper, and somebody put up a picture of uh, Sylvester with the jumper off and just the tie and the shirt. Uh, and he looked absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, so yeah, I wish they'd uh, I wish they'd ditched the jumper. Um, it's uh, you can you can have too many question marks. We, we, how many is too many question marks? Festooned on a jumper. Um, okay, so well, do you know what? My least favourite Doctor Who story is it now? I didn't find that as much of a chore as. Uh, Part two of Time Lash I really struggled with when we when we did this about halfway through when the plot sort of ground to a halt and uh, they had to sort of fill in um, and everyone just sort of seemed to give up. Uh, nobody gave up in this. Uh, everybody's pretty committed uh, in in lots of interesting and different ways. You know the 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 the, the, the venerable older actors are 
never once let up going we're gonna we're gonna give this you know we're gonna, not over the top we're gonna we're gonna center this um that that is what we're here for we're here to provide a bit of ballast in contrast to the leading man who's giving it his all um in in terms of energy and the the leading lady who's who's uh again absolutely committed but uh, takes gusto to fourth wall breaking extremes perhaps um and to the leading guest lady who uh uh is vamping for mars um uh but but that you know nobody is nobody is wasting our time everybody is uh is is full on so if so, if some of that's misguided um you know in terms of some of the the presentation it's not out of it's not out of laziness uh and it's a lot of fun uh, i yeah i would have happily watched and enjoyed that and very much got over myself and if there's a lesson from a show that is about traveling through time and space and doing so with a sense of humor and saving the world from ludicrous plots and uh uh overstuffed villains uh is that is that doctor who at the character's best and at the program's best sort of goes you you're not that important because there's a whole big wide universe out there uh and but but it doesn't matter that you're not important because actually the little things uh are sometimes what makes life very special so one get over yourself and two enjoy yourself uh and uh i'm hoping that uh my journey is uh, enabling me to do both of those things dear anthony uh has two more things to choose let's see what they are oh i have to choose mine first them's the rules i'm going to choose uh the design of the lacertians which i think is is different and interesting and i think the makeup is is very very good um uh, I, I saw a picture the other day of the Shimmer on Baby, which is basically just green makeup slapped on a baby, which I'm sure will be illegal these days. Um, but that 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 makeup has all the contours and the shading, and I th just think it's an interesting design. And the lion's mane, the sort of contrast, they do look like the love child of a psychedelic lion and a probably unwilling lizard. Um, uh, and but I like them. I like the Lacertian design. And my overall thing is, it's going to be Kev surprises me, but it's going to be Kev McCulloch's music because when it scores, it really, really scores. And it's a score uh, that, uh, as I say, just lifts proceedings where somehow sometimes the rest of the technology and resources cannot. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, no, I've chosen now with an honourable mention to the fact that Pip and Jane Baker as i say i think often misguided but i do adore them um uh because um again they're 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 not lazy they they you know their commitment to dialogue that um ascends to a level of hyper reality i th i i i think again at the time it, it made the show seem to be trying a little bit too hard and written by people who had done nothing bar um uh 
sort of hang around in theatrical uh regional theatrical bars for the past 25 years um uh, but but nonetheless is a sort of trademark of of this period of doctor who that uh i think now has a certain charm and i suspect anthony well yeah they did cho choose a line uh it, it doesn't matter let's see well well done toby You've uh, reached the end of part four of Time and the Rani, and I hope you've delighted and thrilled in it, as I do every single time I watch it. Um, right, and I have got a few things to say about something that really needs to come up in this episode. Uh, and the story, really, is costume. I love the costume design in this. We get the Rani in a fantastic outfit, which is actually, you can't see it here, but uh, I have a picture of that on my wall. Uh, we have Bonnie's fantastic outfit, which you can see behind me, which I just adored when it came out and uh, when I first saw it and adore it to this day. And I know I'm not the only one. Um, and, you know, just the look of the locations. Okay, they're a bit clean, but uh, that was always the problem, wasn't it? But, um, you know, just, just wafting about as they were. Uh, I just think it looks absolutely fantastic. And so all, you know, kudos to Ken True and also the new Doctor's outfit, which broke the silhouette that we'd got used to for quite a long time for the Doctor. Um, and is almost nicely, it was nicely eccentric, but he could almost get away, and does get away with shuffling around in everyday life in it as well. And um, even the pullover, which, you know, is insistent to have the question marks. And that has just become a part of him. That's just, that's just how it is. And I love it. So uh, my top thing for part four is just to highlight the costume design and how wonderful it is. Okay. And... Uh, I need to talk about one final thing, don't I? Um, yeah, something that's really special about the whole story is it does feel like the beginning of a whole fresh new era. We just had, not that long ago, the, the hiatus, thinking it was Axe, the series coming back felt very much under the knife with Trial of a Time Lord. And we're here, we're back again, we have a new doctor, we have a new script editor, we have all those things I've mentioned before, and it's it's a new start, and it certainly feels like it, and it is the beginning of one of my favourite eras, the Fester McCoy years, I could just watch over and over and over again. I adore them. Um, you know, I am a Doctor Who fan, obviously, I mean, I, I love Doctor Who unconditionally, it's always been there for me since the age of blur. Uh, you know, for the last 39 years. So um, it's intrinsically part of me. And I just love the fun that's being had in the story as well. It's That's the important thing is that Doctor Who goes from one sort of program to another here, there and everywhere, but it can just have times of unadulterated fun. And that's what we've got here. It's just to sit back, disengage your brain, and just enjoy what's flowing in front of you. And I think Time of the Rani just epitomizes that. So if anything to take away from this is that it is just a great big campus tits, loads of fun. Uh, so those are Anthony's reasons. Do I get a point for the costume design? Maybe it doesn't matter. I've still lost. So I'll let you decide that you can, you can decide the score if you really care, which I'm sure you don't. Um, uh, so that's uh, Anthony, who's now going to uh, 
uh, plug something and tell you a bit more about themselves. And uh, and that's it. That's my views. Uh, I have been given the opportunity to plug something by Mr. Haydick. So I'm going to plug a recent piece of work, which uh, during lockdown, my friend Nigel Fares, who you may have heard of, has spent a hell of a lot of time producing a podcast audio drama series called The Pogleywood Murders, which is a comedy murder mystery series. And <laughs> I have been in it throughout. We've recorded it in isolation and he's he's put it all together and uh, released it for week by week over 20 weeks, half hour episodes each. So that's a huge undertaking. And um it would be great if you go and listen. It also includes such Doctor Who alumni as Louise Jameson and Matthew Waterhouse and Angela Bruce and oh, just just masses of fantastic actors. And I'm very lucky to have a part in it. Um, we'll have quite a few parts in it. But uh, that was great fun to do. And certainly it helped us all get through lockdown. And hopefully it helps some of the listeners as well. So you just have to pop off and do a, an internet search for the Pogleywood Murders, uh, the Pogleywood Murders podcast. Uh, I think it's, it's well, I don't know, actually. I can't remember where it's available, but I'm sure you'll find it. And uh, it's free and it's just fun. So it's just you need to take it away from everything. Have a go at that. Thank you very much, Toby. This has been great fun revisiting Time in the Rani. It's been fantastic. I'm just about to uh, possibly fly off in a vibrant pink bubble, but that's nothing unusual for me. Take good care. Bye-bye. Oh, well, I like to think Anthony is in a big pink bubble, even uh, as they currently are um, in hospital. Um, So look, there's a GoFundMe. Uh, I've brought this forward in the schedule uh, for, I hope, you all agree an important reason so uh, I hope this has been uh, fun for you lots of love to Anthony uh, please uh, if you can't do the GoFundMe send lots of good vibes to a good person who uh, I, 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 as I think you've witnessed as an example uh, of uh, uh, seizing Doctor Who for, for, for all of its uh, potential fun value and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and uh yeah i hope uh i i think i've i yeah i think i'm i think i'm getting there with not taking whilst taking life very seriously not taking it too seriously as to not make it fun and you can do the same with doctor who so look if i've got through time and the rani although somebody has just submitted underworld um uh, which i fear is something time and the rani never is uh, which is dull, but who knows when I get to Underworld, uh, I'm going to go into it with exactly the same attitude I went into this with. This is my favourite programme and I'm going to love it. And uh, Oh, Bernard, just be very, very careful. Bernard is trying to sabotage. He's just heard, we're not going to watch Underworld now, Bernard. It's okay. We're not going to watch Underworld now. Can I take that wire from around you? There we go, my darling boy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Lots of love to Anthony. Uh, Lots of love to you out there. Um, uh, Have fun. Nothing in the world can stop you. I think you'll find. 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 Hey, listeners, you know how we loved episode two? Well, 
Uh, one of your number, listener Nick Milton, has been in touch to ruin that for us. Nick says, Toby, sorry to disappoint, but having just listened to your commentary for Time and Your Auntie Part 2 and your praise for Wonders Tears, I double-checked the production subtitles from the box set, which I was reading when I watched a couple of weeks ago. They actually state that she had a special liquid dropped into her eyes just before the recording of these shots to stimulate tears, an old actor's trick. Uh, mind you, don't know how many folks look at these subtitles, so you could pretend I never told you, lol. Well, you did tell me, Nick, and presumably you're off to a Father Christmas podcast now to tell them a few things. Well, we enjoyed Wonder's Tears, but little did we know that they were fake tears. Oh, well, there we go. It was fun while it lasted. So I think you'll find there's not as much, there's not as much poetry in the world as you thought, thanks to listener Nick Milton. Cheers, Nick. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest was Anthony Townsend, also known as Anthony Fletcher Goldspink, who, as you will have heard, is undergoing some difficulties at the moment, and there is a GoFundMe page. GoFundMe, a small hand for Anthony. Anthony, I on the end, and no H. Uh, and if you could donate there to help Anthony during these difficult times, I know everyone, including Anthony, would appreciate it. I appreciate the patrons of this podcast and others, who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, David Anonymous, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Carrington, Paul Cook, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford Kelk, Chris Phone, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, and Barry Platt. The music is by Dave Gates. If you would like to join that lovely list of patrons, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock uh, and you get uh, advance releases, exclusive material, higher tiers get a badge, but it's fairly egalitarian, so uh, most stuff is available at the very lowest tier, which is a mere £3 a month, and you even get 10% off the top of that if you join for a year. There's 10% uh, if you join for a year, whatever tier you choose to go on. If you can't or don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. But you still feel like giving me the odd uh, tinkle of a coin in mid-jacksy. No, that's not a thing. Oh, it doesn't matter. Nobody's listening at this point anyway. Go to Kofi.com. Should be called jacksy.com. I suspect you get different things there. Go to Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock uh, and you can do a one-off payment if you think I deserve it or sound hungry enough. Uh, and you can follow these on Twitter at Haydock Podcasts, uh, and I have my own uh, Twitter stream as well, at Toby Haydock. But uh, also what you can do for absolutely no money at all is give these five stars on iTunes and Apple. And I've started doing live comedy again at XS Malarkey in Manchester. That's every Tuesday at 8 p.m., at uh, the Breadshed in Manchester, but we're also online once a month, the first Sunday of every month, on twitch.tv forward slash XS Malarkey. It's my comedy club, XS Malarkey, that's been going for 24 years, so we must be doing something right, and we charge as little as possible and bring the best acts from around the world. And in fact, the online version is totally free. Donations are possible to make, but also very, very possible to avoid, which is why I'm broadcasting from a cupboard and don't have any trendy clothes.
obligatory post-credits bit. I was actually very pleased when um, Sylvester McCoy was announced as Doctor Who. Forgotten about this because we knew who he was in our house because he did Tiswas and things like that. But also the Ludlow Festival, which was a Shakespeare in the castle that we went to every year that always got a great cast. Prior to um, Sylvester playing Doctor Who, he had played Stefano or Trinculo, one of the funny ones in The Tempest. Um, Frank Windsor was Caliban. Bernard Breslau, Varga the Ice Warrior, was Prospero. Uh, Jim McManus, who plays an ophthalmologist in The Invisible Enemy, was the one of Stefano and Trinculo. Trinculo, I think, that Sylvester McCoy wasn't. Uh, those were the sorts of casts we get descending to Ludlow. Uh, every year for a couple of weeks and they played come rain or shine quite often come rain uh, but uh, I remember Sylvester being very funny and saying horth pith uh, quite a lot uh, and getting a laugh uh, horsing about with Jim McManus and Frank Windsor a Doctor Whoey triumvirate uh, so uh, that that wasn't interesting enough to put in the actual commentary <laughs> got some Imagine the quality of the stuff that makes it. Gold, I tell you, gold. Uh, during the recording of that, a bit of my sound booth fell on me. 